Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat, y'all. <laughs> Welcome. Did you guys have a good, uh, good holiday, good 4th of July? Did you burn any fingers off? Setting fireworks off or anything? Guess not. Everybody's got all 10 of them still. Um, so uh, off the top, I want to say if you weren't here last week, um, uh, you may have gotten a text the week before about uh, a possible opportunity for North Church. Um, there are, there are sheet, this is what the opportunity is and kind of made the announcement of everything last week on the welcome table back there. There's more of these. Uh, feel free to, to grab one now or later or, or whatever. Um, but ultimately the opportunity is this. So we just want to share just a bit about it. Um, so Villabrook Baptist Church is a church in Hazelwood and they uh, approached the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association about, hey, we're, we're dying, we're an old congregation, and we're dying, we need some help. And the association went in and did some assessment work with them and assessed that they need to, to find a church to adopt them. And uh, the specific adoption language is this, the adoption of an existing church in decline or near death by a larger, more healthy church. So... Um, they were having this conversation for several months and then uh, brought us into the picture as that, um, that larger, more healthy church. Um, so uh, we met with their leaders last Monday, a week ago from like tomorrow, so six days ago, we met with them uh, for a couple of hours, just to really kind of a get to know you sort of thing. We did get into some theology stuff, um, but we will meet again tomorrow with with them talking about values and practices and, and get some more specific stuff. Um, and the thing that I, I really want to, the reason that I, I brought that up is, is two reasons. First is for if you weren't here last week, you need to know what's going on. Uh, but also, um, I want to make sure for you to make plans to be here next week because the meeting that's tomorrow will do, will go a, a long way to kind of determining the, the potential of this. Uh, so, like, what, what are our, our values and, and how do those values shape what we do and what are their values and what are their values shape with how they do and are they going to be willing to kind of submit to being adopted by us? Um, and, and kind of through that process, we'll begin to, to kind of get a little bit of, of material. So, what the, the plan then is for next week after church, we'll do a normal church service and then be done and then... We'll, uh, we'll gather back together here and, and give you guys a bit of a report on how Monday went, but then also give you an opportunity to ask some questions. So I uh, want to encourage you to, to try to be here next week for that. And also because uh, my friend and mentor and pastor John Ryan will be preaching here next week. So, um, so you won't have to put up with me. You get to put up with John. John is uh, great, and he'll be here next week. So make plans to be here, and, and after that, service, we'll, we'll do some Q&A stuff. Um, but I, I did want to say one other thing that was on this paper that I, I mentioned to you guys last week if you were here, and if not, you're, you're gonna, you'll hear it for the first time now. But on the kind of the bottom half of this thing, so the top half of this page is the opportunity, and then the bottom half is things we want for us to be doing. Um, and they are, I'm just gonna say these quickly and then get into the, the heart of the message. First is to pray consistently for direction 
and the Lord's leading. This is a, a, a big opportunity for us. And so we need to be praying, not just as leaders, but as everybody that's a part of the church, be praying for God's direction and, and God to lead us. And then secondly, pray for humility in all parties, especially us, because ultimately what's happening is here is they're coming up to us, asking us to adopt them. And that can put us in a position of, of feeling strength or feeling power or feeling some sort of authority. And that is, uh, first of all, not the, the posture that we want to have in general, but also not the posture we want to have towards them. And more importantly, not the posture that we want to have towards Christ himself. So pray for humility for all parties, especially for us. And then uh, third, pray for clarity of vision for both churches, and we can articulate that vision carefully and, and well. Pray that we would be kind and compassionate as we communicate with them. And then here's, those are all prayers. Here's the, the other thing for you to be doing actively, um, and, and I kind of preached through this last week, is uh, the idea of, of fasting. I'm, I'm asking you uh, to, to fast on a weekly basis in some capacity. Maybe that's from food for a lunch. Maybe that's from social media for the next, for the month of July. Maybe that's from something. I'm, I'm asking you to consciously decide and make a decision spiritually that I'm going to withhold this thing from myself so that I might proclaim to myself that Christ is enough. Um, so I'm asking you to fast with some sort of consistency um, as, as we seek the answer to this question. Um, and then feel free at all times, anytime, to text me, to text Ben as your elders, to ask us questions or, or, or give us your comments or your thoughts. We need to and we want to know what you have to say. Um, and we're also saying feel free to talk to anybody about this, whether, whether they're in this church or even if for some reason you happen to know somebody at Villabrook or you happen to know somebody someplace else. Feel free to talk to anybody about this. But as you do, make sure there's humility in your voice and in your posture. Follow that? Um, so that's kind of the, the heart of, of where we're the, like this opportunity. And, and I want to say that I, I brought that up at the beginning of the sermon this morning because one, you need to know, and we need to do this together, and we need to be fully aware of what's happening. And I want you to be fully aware of what's happening. I want to be completely transparent with you and, and where God is directing us. But it also, I think, provides a great backdrop for the sermon this morning. Um, so uh, if, if you have your Bible, uh, you can open it to Mark chapter 8. Um, if not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. And I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll, we'll study the passage um, and, and understand, too, that, that, that this opportunity and how we respond to it is, is good, but it also kind of provides a backdrop for, for what I think God has to say to us today in this conversation. Um, so Mark 8, starting in, in verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them and got in the boat again and went to the other side. Verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. For they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And then seven for the 4,000, how many baskets of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Um, Let's pray. God, thank you for this conversation that you've provided for us to hear and, and see and study. God, I pray you would protect our, our minds and protect our, even just our thoughts today, Father, that we would zero in on what it is that you have to say to us. You are good and you are holy and you are perfect and you have done so much to bring us into relationship with you, Father. Now, I pray you would open our eyes and open our hearts that our hearts would not be hard and our eyes would be open and our ears would be open to hear what it is that you have to proclaim and say to us. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Uh, so, um, again, this kind of provides the backdrop. Our, our story kind of provides the backdrop for this conversation. And this, this is really two conversations, he, first with the Pharisees and then with his disciples. So the first one with the Pharisees, the Pharisees came to him and began to argue with him, seeking a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Why does this generation seek a sign? Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, I love this phrasing. He sighed deeply in his spirit. Um, can you, like, imagine Jesus? Like, that's what's happened here. He's sighed deeply in his spirit and kind of rolled his eyes and gotten really frustrated here. And I think it's cool to think that Jesus gets frustrated um, because I get frustrated with life and people and stuff. But Jesus gets frustrated because of this. Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Here's the, the interesting part. If you back up, he, so at the end of the passage I just read, Jesus says, he reminds them about feeding the 5,000 people, but he also reminded them about feeding the 4,000 people, two different deals. Jesus fed lots of people with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And one of those, the feeding of the 4,000, had literally just happened. So he feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. And right after that, these people come to him and say, give us a sign. Were you not just paying attention when I just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and three fish? This call for a sign is a signal that these people aren't really interested in following Jesus. They're interested in making him look bad and trapping him so that they don't have to follow Jesus. Um, One of the things that I'm learning about myself and one of the things that I'm learning about our culture is that man has a really strong will. You have a really strong will. I have a really strong will. And what I mean by that is this, is that we want to do what we want to do. And because we want to do what we want to do, 
we're going to create whatever circumstances are necessary that will allow us to rationalize us doing what we want to do. You follow that? And, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to know that this is present within you. This is present within me. I'm going to view every set of circumstances in my life to try to have those circumstances cater to my will. And that's what's happening here with these Pharisees. They are, like, all throughout Scripture, they're, they're trying to cling to and white-knuckle hold and their, their authority and their power. They're trying to hold on to their will. Here, Jesus has just done this incredible miracle, and they say, great, you did that, but show us a sign that you're sent from heaven by God to us. Um, the Pharisees have an incredibly comfortable life, an incredibly powerful life, and Jesus is a threat to that. So if I'm going to pay attention to my strong will and Jesus is a threat to my, my power and my authority and my way of life, then I need to do something to discredit him. And, and here's the piece, like, we can, we can see this in the lives of the Pharisees, but, but I think my job as your pastor is to not just help us to see this in other people, but for us to see this in ourselves. And this is, this is the truth, and this is hard to hear, is that there are many times where circumstances happen in your life that you manipulate those circumstances so that they'll line up with what you want to do. So they'll line up with your will and your power and your authority and your desires and your wants. This is the, the human condition. We're battling this need to get for ourselves. We're battling for independence. It goes all the way back to the garden, the, the very first sin of Adam and Eve. It's about authority. It's about God has authority that we want to take from him and, and make our own. Every, really, every sin is, is like that. God has authority that he's using to serve you with that you want to take from him so that you can serve yourself with him because you think you know better than God does. And this is what's happening with the Pharisees. Um, as Christians living in this world, we have to daily check ourselves to submit to his will and to ask God to bend our wills to go in line with him. And then Jesus sighs and shows frustration. Um, this, so all of that that I've just said, and then I talked about our, our opportunity as the backdrop for the sermon, and, and in, in my mind, here's where I'm processing, because I know this to be true about my will. And I know this to be true about my ability to manipulate circumstances to get what I want. And, and this is why it's so vastly important for us to be praying for humility, to be praying for God's direction, to be praying for vision, to be fasting, to be engaging with all of the, the tools that God has given to us to make sure it's not our will but his. Um, if you pray for your leaders of this church, and I hope that you do, pray, pray this, that God's will would be done and not ours. And then the, 
the verse that Rebecca led us in called the worship this morning, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. This is our, our, our job is to ask God to give us humility and lead us and then wait and listen. Because look at what the, like the Pharisees questioned him and asked for a sign and he said no and he sighed and what did he do? He left. I want you to see that. I want you to, to know that. He left, verse 13. And then he got in the boat and went to the other side. Then verse 14 happens. Now they, he's, now he's not talking to the Pharisees anymore. He's talking to his disciples. It's just them in a boat together. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Um, interesting to, uh, to note here how Jesus talked to and treated the Pharisees versus how he talks to and treats his disciples because they both really don't get it in, in similar ways. But there is a humility and a willingness to be learning from the disciples that's not present in the Pharisees. The posture is completely different. With the Pharisees, he sighs deeply in his spirit and he leaves. With the disciples, he patiently teaches them about who he is. Posture means everything with the way you approach Jesus. Let me say that again. Posture means everything with the way you approach Jesus. Are you coming to him with humility? Are you coming to him clinging to your power? Verse 15, and he cautioned them. They're talking about bread and the fact they don't have anything to eat. And Jesus interjects with their conversation about not having anything to eat, saying this. He cautioned them, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Leaven all throughout Scripture is a metaphor for corruption. If a little bit of leaven gets into the dough, it changes everything about the dough. Just speaking specifically about bread. And for this conversation, Jesus is interrupting, saying, beware of the leaven, beware of the corruption of the Pharisees. If you let the corruption of their quest for power and quest for authority and pushing Jesus away, it can damage all of you. It's real. It happens. In other words, Jesus is saying this, beware of the quest for power Beware of your quest for power. Beware of your quest for authority. Beware of your quest for autonomy. Beware of your will to be done. Beware of your ability to manipulate circumstances so that your will might be done. Jesus is, is proclaiming to his people, beware of these things. They're very real and they can take over like that and you have no idea that it's happened. Do you know like there's this there's this cynicism that's real and present in our lives about who Jesus is and who culture says that he is and who the Bible says that he is. There's just this great war that's happening in our spirits and we need to be careful and allow the word of God to speak to us because our natural bend is to manipulate circumstances, even manipulate Jesus to be who we want him to be so that we can rationalize the way that we want to live. That's, 
there's a, a deep truth in the midst of this. You have that ability from the, the most liberal to the most conservative Christian. You want to manipulate Jesus to be who you want him to be. And Jesus is saying, that's what the Pharisees were trying to do. Jesus, I want you to do what you, I want you to do so that I can feel good about who I am. So do something cool. But Jesus says, beware of that corruption that can change all that you are. Um, the Pharisees misused their power and their authority to manipulate Jesus and manipulate people. Jesus uses all of his power and all of his authority to serve people. Do you see the beauty of Christ? If, especially in light of, of this conversation, this, this opportunity that's in front of us, and just being a, a Christian in this culture, every single bit of authority and power that Christ had, every drop of it was used to serve people. So I ask, where do you have power? Where do you have strength? Where do you have authority? Where do you have gifts? And what are you doing with that power, with that strength, with those gifts? If we are to be little Christs in this world, and that's what a Christian is, we need to be using that to serve people. How are you using your power? So verse 14, they talk about not having bread. Verse 15, Jesus says, beware of the leaven. And verse 16, they go right back to it. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They began discussing with one another the fact that they have no bread. Jesus is powerfully teaching them after literally less than an hour prior to this conversation, Jesus had turned seven loaves and a few fish into enough to feed 4,000 people. And they're worried about bread. Know this, Jesus is going to take care of you. Whatever is pressured in your life, whatever you think you need and you don't have right now, Jesus is going to take care of it. Whatever North Church thinks it needs or doesn't have right now, Jesus is going to take care of it. Whatever your family needs or thinks that it doesn't have right now, Jesus is going to take care of it. Every time. And Jesus is probably putting need in your life so that you can see him as your provider as your soul provider. I just accidentally said something. Your S-O-U-L provider and your S-O-L-E provider. He is those things to you. Whatever you need and don't have, you either don't need it or Jesus wants you to ask him for it. Trust him. That's so hard. Joe, I'm glad you picked those songs today. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus because 
Like here's, here's the, like when I'm singing worship songs, especially with you guys, a lot of times I just, I'm singing, but I'm thinking you're a freaking hypocrite. I'm singing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And, and Joe's playing it on this kind of like this, this upscale, you know, pop, you know, you, you just probably know the right word, but like this, this poppy uh, beat, right? And I'm ex- like, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, do you really... Do you really? And then I turned that worship experience into an opportunity to to pray and ask God to help me to trust him more because I know my natural self wants to bend him to my will. All right, so we're going to fly through these last few verses. Um, And this is the, the specifics of the conversation that he, Jesus has with them as they're worried about bread. Verse 17, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five, the five loaves for the 5,000, how many full baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, which happened just an hour ago, how many of these baskets did you fill up for broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Four principles for us to draw. First, the disciples tend to be consumed with temporary things. You tend to be consumed with temporary things. Are you consumed with temporary things? Many times... I am only consumed, and I can only think, guess that, that you are as well, because every human being that lives in my house is like this, and every close friend I've ever had is like this. We're consumed with this moment right here in front of me. For us, for me as the leader of this church, and for us as we gather together to, to try to understand whether God is calling us to adopt Villabrook or not, I'm consumed with this question. What questions are you consumed with right now? Are you consumed with this moment? Maybe it's a, it's a cultural moment. Maybe you are consumed with a cultural moment. I think that Jesus is trying to get our eyes off of the moment that's right in front of us and instead on to him as the sole provider. <clears throat> um. Our hope for all things is Christ. Your hope for all things is Christ. If temporary things trouble you or if temporary things consume you, the message of Jesus everywhere throughout Scripture is to trust him. The second thing is disciples tend to miss Jesus. I want you to see this conversation, what happens Jesus sees 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. The Pharisees say, show us a sign. Jesus gets really frustrated with them. Then he leaves and gets in a boat with his disciples. And they essentially do the same thing that the Pharisees did. They don't trust him. They don't believe him. And they're worried about the moment in front of them. 
But Jesus has been with them for three years, and they still miss him. If that's true, isn't it possible that Jesus is right in front of you, speaking loudly to you, and you just don't have any idea? Here's, here's the secret. He is speaking to you, and he's given you so much to hear him. Engage in church. Read your Bible. Pray. Engage in community. All the things that God has always given to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to show you that he is your provider because he is. These are God's designs to help you not miss him. The third thing is Jesus tends to use the physical to teach the spiritual. Jesus knows these people are hungry. Jesus knows they're going to ask for food. Jesus orchestrates circumstances to allow us to, to feel things physically so that he might teach us about things spiritually. If you have a genuine need, know that Jesus intends for you to have that need. Did you ever think about that? Your lack in some area or some way, your situation, your circumstance, God has a design for it. If you're hungry, you're exactly where Jesus wants you to be. Because that's exactly the place where you can be to learn that Jesus meets your needs. If you're hungry, ask him to provide for your needs. Give, him some, give you something to eat. Um, it's interesting, given this conversation that's right in front of us to have a building that is ours, to have more people, to have some older people, to get to do life with different people. There's a, there's a beauty in that. Jesus is moving, but he's our provider, not ourselves. The last thing and the absolute most important thing and what I want to be proclaimed every time we gather together is Jesus wants to show you that he is our Messiah. The greatest need you have that you've ever had has already been met by Jesus. The greatest need you have is for redemption and the atonement of your sin. And that has already been met in its full. Let me say that again because there's nothing more important that you'll hear in, the, in all of your life. The greatest need that you've ever had is the need for the atonement of your sin. And Jesus has met that need. You don't have it anymore. And if Jesus uses the physical to teach us about the spiritual, he, 
He shows us that we have a physical need and then he meets that need to remind us of the fact that we really only have one need and it's the atonement of our sins and he's already provided for it and he always has provided for it completely. The atonement has been accomplished by Jesus Christ, your Messiah. Your sins have been paid for. They're no longer on your record. Jesus has paid the price. Your life is redeemed now and forever. And this is the heart of everything that happens in your life is about pointing to that one event, that one story. We think it would be really great or or that we might even need our own space, our own building. We think or we might think that we need a a better place to live or or better whatever. Whatever it is that, that stresses you, whatever it is you think you need, you think you need that. The only thing that you really need is the atonement of your sin, and it's already been done. So let's just rest in who he is. Let's pray and proclaim that truth to our hearts through prayer, through response. God, I thank you that your son Jesus has provided all that we need. God, I thank you that you've given us needs. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you have provided for all of our needs and continue to provide for our needs, Father. God, help us to trust you. Help us to follow where you're leading us. God, grant us purity of heart and mind and spirit as we seek your face. God, help us to trust you. Thank you for Jesus. May he purify our wills. May he purify our hearts. Thank you for Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.